I hope you have your Bibles with you and be ready to turn to uh, some different places. Hopefully, uh, you know where some of these books of the Bible are and you can turn to them real quick. I'm going to be preaching about rain. Rain. Sound good? I wasn't sure exactly what to preach today, and last night I was listening to all that rain coming down, and the more I listened to it, the more I felt like I should do this particular message. And this is out of Hosea. Now, we're going to be in several different places of the Bible, like I said, but we need to, as Christians, we need to prepare for rain. Prepare for rain. In Hosea, this is going to be chapter 10, Hosea chapter 10, verses 2. 12 is the main verse that we're going to be talking about. I'm actually going to be breaking it down as we uh, go through this whole sermon and uh, that one verse. I'm going to read a couple verses because the one that goes after it uh, explains some things. So Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. So to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Now here's the bad news. 13. Ye have plowed wickedness. Ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies because thou distrust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. Now, we are all guilty of thinking we have better ideas, and we, have, we try to live our lives on this earth by our ideas, and also we put leaders in office. These are the mighty men it's talking about right here, the multitude of thy mighty men, and we put the wrong people in office. They tell us everything we want to hear, we vote for them, we put them in there, and they get corrupted. It's like magic. It's like they could be good people, and it seems like they go to, go to serve, and they just become corrupt for the most part. Now, we need to remember that this verse 12 says, so. What does that mean? So, that means you, you need to prep the ground, and you need to put seed in the ground, and then you cover it up. What is fallow ground? Fallow ground is a ground that has been neglected for a period of time. What happens to the ground when it's neglected? It's not worked, it, and it just sits there. People drive over it, walk over it, they trample it down. Let's say there's no rain, and you don't have rain for a good while, and it's a drought situation. It gets really hard. Fallow ground will become very hard. The Bible is type and picture throughout. It's a story, and it's told in a way that we can relate to it. So imagine you and a hard heart being fallow ground. If uh, a message be, is being preached to you, 
or you are reading the Word of God for yourself, or God's trying, wanting to speak to you, or the Holy Spirit is wanting to rain down on you, and you, have, you are fallow ground. What happens with fallow ground or hard, compacted soil? When the rain comes down, it rolls right off. It really doesn't do it much good. Are we fallow ground to where the Word of God is coming out to you right now, it's being read to you, is it hitting hard hearts and falling off? The Holy Spirit is moving. Is the Holy Spirit able to do anything with you, or have you hardened your heart so much that it just doesn't affect you? You're not moved by the Spirit. So what is it that you need to sow to yourselves in righteousness? Because we already know that when we do it our way, that you're not getting anything good. H.A. Uh, Ironside said, The fallow ground must be broken up by the power of the Word ministered in the energy of the Holy Spirit. That's how you start to work on the hard heart. There is, there is power in the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is moving and is powerful and can do things. But we are instructed to sow to ourselves the Word of God and to be open to this moving of the Spirit. Now in Proverbs eleven eighteen it says, The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. The very next verse, 19, Proverbs eleven nineteen 19, says, As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. Now that's uh, the opposite of sowing to yourselves in righteousness. The next part of that verse, uh, talking about reap in mercy, reap in you go out and you, you, you're, you're trying to get the harvest. You're reaping the harvest. This is what you want to get out of this. We, we bring in a harvest through the works of our righteousness through showing the mercy and grace of God. Now, uh, Proverbs 16.6 6 says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Because there's always the bad around, right? You don't even have to try. The bad stuff is always there. You plant a garden, you don't plant any weed seeds, right? No one wants to plant weed seeds. So that means no weeds are going to come up, right? Wrong. They come up like all by themselves. You don't have to do anything. All the stuff you don't want to grow will start to grow, and it'll thrive. Because we're under a curse. We're actually under a curse. I'll read that verse in a minute. Proverbs uh, 16, 7, the very next verse, the one I just read, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now the next part of this verse is break up your fallow ground. I already described what happens to soil when it sits around and is trampled on over time. When we go to 
you know, it would be very unwise for us just to jump up and run out and just start witnessing to people and just beating them over the head with the Bible if you haven't done any prep work. Now, not only do we need prep work, but the people we, we want to witness to need prep work as well. And the, really, the, the, the ways you do it, one way could be going out Christmas caroling on a Friday night, riding around with lights, singing songs that speak about our Lord and Savior. That, that's the great way to prep the people praying before you do those things. See, prayer is what we neglect probably more than anything. And we need to be a people who pray more for ourselves to be able to go out and do the works of God, but praying for the people to receive it. You know, we have, uh, we're under this curse, and it started in uh, Genesis 3. And I'm going to, you don't have to turn there. I'm not going to be there very long. I mean, if you're, you, I mean, Genesis is pretty easy to find since it's the first book of the Bible. But Genesis chapter 3 is, the, is that famous chapter where Satan shows up in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was a very perfect place. Everything grew really well. There were trees that had fruit that they were able to eat from. But just that one that they were to avoid, the one in the middle of the garden. That one, don't, don't go and eat pulled fruit off that one. And Satan was able to use... A, a, uh, a, a beautiful creature, something that was able, you know, when, when you think, when you get that picture in your mind of Satan showing up in the garden, in any picture you might see that comes from the world, you see a tree with some beautiful fruit hanging off of it, and you see this big old slithery snake in the branches. Well, that's, that's not right. There, he, he wasn't... He, that was the result of the curse of him crawling around on his belly. Before that, he was different. He was very colorful. He, he was magnificent, and he had, he had legs and arms. Now, Satan, was be, as a spirit, he wasn't able to walk right up to Eve. Uh, she wouldn't have been able to see him. She wouldn't have been able to hear him. So he had to use that beast that was in the garden. He got inside of that and manipulated the vocal cords of that creature so he could speak to her. So starting with uh, 14, this is uh, Genesis 3:14. Listen carefully. And in the Lord God, or and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go, and, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now there's a great prophecy right there of Jesus coming in the future, and he is going to be the one that will crush Satan. Jesus will, okay? That's, that's the great prophecy, uh, 3.15. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy, con in thy, and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And, and unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree 
of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Listen, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days or all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust that shalt thou return. You're just made of dirt. You, you were made out of the dirt of the earth, and you're going to go back to the dirt of the earth one day. You know, it's funny when, uh, you know, scientific... Uh, knowledge became more and more that they realized that the human body, when they broke it down, had all the elements of the dirt. No surprise to people who believe the Bible. So, you ever wonder why, you ever wonder why there had to be a crown of thorns made to be put on Jesus' head? It's right here. This was the curse of the thorns and the thistles that you're going to have to deal with. And just think of Jesus with those, the, that crown of thorns that was made and pushed on his head, dug into his scalp, and blood was running down his, his face. It's like, why? Why would, why, would that have, why would they do that? Why a crown of thorns? This is it right here. We're under the curse of that. And Jesus is the only one who can break that curse. He's the only one. Jeremiah 4, I'm going to read 1 through 5. If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not remove... And thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness, and the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. What do thorns represent, right? The curse of the earth. The worldly things in this, in our environment, the worldly things that we have to live with. You know, we're instructed as Christians to be, to be in the world, but not of the world. We, we, need, we can't isolate ourselves from the world, but we can be separate from the world. We have to be a part of it. We live in it. But we don't have to go along with worldly things. Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Listen to this next verse. This is Old Testament. This is, this is Jeremiah. It reminds me of what we did on Wednesday nights. We went through uh, Deuteronomy, the whole book of Deuteronomy. Now we're in Joshua. And this is very familiar with the verse we read in Deuteronomy. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. That's your flesh. Human flesh and doing it your own way, you are to remove that, circumcise it. Ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench, quench it because of the evil of your doings. Declare ye in Judah and publish in Jerusalem and say, Blow ye the trumpet in the land, 
cry, gather together, and say, Assemble yourselves, and let us go into the defensed cities. You know, we are instructed to assemble as Christians, to come together, to lift one another up, to be edified, to be prepared to be soldiers, to go out and do the service, to do the work for our Heavenly Father. Now, uh, when I say, when, when the Bible says, uh, sow not among thorns, it makes me think of the parable of the sower that most of y'all know very well. Uh, I'm going to read the one out of Luke. It says, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. You know, when you see fowls of the air in the Bible, that's evil. That's the evil things like the, the demons, uh, the devil, and his work. Birds coming and landing in the branches. There's nothing good about that. And you, you, if you don't prep first and you just throw the seed out, then the birds come along and, and, and grab it. You've got to be thoughtful in how you sow the seed. Maybe cover it with some straw. You have, to, you have to prep the ground beforehand. Uh, and uh, Luke 8, 6, And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. So basically what that situation is, there's a lot of rock there, very little soil on top of it. You throw the seed on, and because of the rock underneath, that soil is extra warm compared to the rest. It'll spring up really quick. You see certain people will come into church and they're very easily moved by emotional things, and they jump all over it, but there's nothing real there, and they look like they've received a good word, maybe come up and say a sinner's prayer, and they want to go out and live a great life, but there was nothing substantial there, and as soon as the temptations of the world come back on them, or the hard times hit, they just fall away. Because the soil was really, really thin, and the roots couldn't get down deep enough, and they withered away really, really quick. That's what happens uh, to those people who are not prepared for the word to be sown to them. Uh, 8, 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. That's the worldly cares. That's all the things that are competing with us, you know, competing with the word of God for us. That's the thorns. And they're everywhere. It will choke out. Any good thing that I will preach to you today will very quickly get choked out by the thorns and thistles of this world. So break up your fallow ground. Now we need to think about this next little portion of the scripture which says, for it is time to seek the Lord. We're instructed to do so. We need to actually put forth the effort to seek the Lord. Get up and do it. Come to church. Open your Bible. So we have, a, we have prep work that we must do. We must prepare not only our hearts and the receiver's hearts, I've already talked about that before, but must as a people be ready to work and pray seeking the Lord for the coming harvest. Now, Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking. If we hear his voice, we are to open the door. And he said that he would come in and, and, and sup with us and we with him. Notice that Jesus is not breaking the door down and coming and getting you and pulling you out and making you have a relationship with him. He's knocking. 
He will not intrude. He's offered you everything you need. It's up to you to go. And the last part of the verse talking about rain righteousness upon you. It, we need the rain. Once the seed is planted and things are ready to start growing, if you don't get any of the rain, it'll wither away. We've got rain. Rain is good. Rain, rain is, if we have a nice, steady rain, is way better, right? Sometimes we get too much. Sometimes we get way too little. And there's a reason. There's a reason why we get um, different rains at different times, and they have different purposes. Uh, in the Bible, it talks about the former rains, the early rain and the latter rain, and they serve a purpose, the early rain. Now, we are to do these works of God, but we need to make sure that, we're, that the Word of God is raining down on us and the Spirit of God is raining in us. Let us not, this is Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. If you're not getting rained on, you'll eventually faint. In Isaiah 44, there's the next place I want to read. Uh, Isaiah 44, verse 1 says, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee in the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, so he's talking to Israel. He's already said Israel. Now, O Jacob is another way to say Israel. My servant and thou, Jeseron, that's another way to say Israel, whom I have chosen. Now, here's the, here's the main part of it. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Now, sometimes, like in verse 3, it says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. When, after you, it would be unwise to drown people with too much. That's why, you know, this two-hour sermon has been dwindled down to whatever it's going to be, 40 minutes or whatever it's going to be. Because you don't want to overflow. You don't want to overwhelm. But when you become a Christian, there are times when you want that. You want to be flooded with the goodness of God and the Word of God. I can remember many, many years ago, this had to have been in the late 90s. Uh, we, it, it was, uh, I think it was January, we had a snow, church was canceled. So what do you do? What do you do when it snows and church services are canceled? I remember sitting down in our living room, opening up the Bible, and I read every bit of Genesis, all 50 chapters. That's what I did. I flooded myself with the Word, enjoyed every bit of it. 
I can remember uh, as a family, Anna wasn't here yet, Joseph was little, uh, Leslie was, I don't know, five or six. We went to a Bible conference up at Canaan Valley, West Virginia. It's a ski resort. But when we went there, I think it was October, and it wasn't supposed to snow at all, but it snowed like crazy while we were there. But only on top of that little mountain. You drive, it, you, you drive just a few feet down, and it was no snow at all. There was about that much snow, about an inch of snow on the, on the pavement. But on the picnic tables, it was 10 to 12 inches of, of snow. And it was a Bible conference. And we went to listen to the Bible being taught in the morning for hours. And then we went back in the evening and, and did even more. And we did it for days. We stayed overnight there. That was the trip where before we left, our oldest daughter, Leslie, she had a dream that she was feeding deer out of her hand. And we're like, yeah, that's nice and sweet, but deer just don't come up to you like that. And we got up there, she had a bag of Cheerios, and she walked out on the little deck outside of her room, and the deer came out of the woods and walked right up to her, and she fed them out of her hand. I'm like, wow. Sometimes it's good to be flooded. You know, in, uh, in the Nile River or the Mississippi River, it was natural for it to flow out of its banks. What happens on farmland? You plant crops, the, the crops pull all the nutrients out of the soil, and it's in the food that we eat. And then it floods, and the silt and everything goes out into those fields, and it replenishes the nutrients in the fields. What have we done? We have built levees. We've done everything we can to keep the waters in the bank. And all the food we eat, it's produced with fake fertilizers. We have no nutritional value in our foods because our ways are not so good. We need to do it God's way. That's just a physical thing that we deal with today, something, something real that we deal with today. The Nile over in Egypt, that's where, that's where all the good stuff came from back many, many years ago. It was good for the land to flood. It replenished the soil with nutrients. Sometimes we need that as Christians. We need the flood to come. All right, now let's, uh, we're going to go to Joel, chapter 2. Joel was right after Hosea. If you happen to be still at Hosea, uh, Joel was the very next minor prophet. Minor prophets. Minor prophets with a major message. Now in uh, chapter 2, I'm going to start at 21. We're getting close to being done. Joel chapter 2, verse 21. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beast of the field. Now, if you, if you know anything about Romans 8, talking about the creature, talking about the creature is suffering, and people say that's just people, no, if you go back to Romans 8, no, the beast of the field, the actual animals are under the curse. Ye beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, and the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. 
Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. Isn't that cool? You want a nice, slow, steady rain to produce the, the fields, to produce all the food. A nice, slow, steady rain. So the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fats, now most of your Bibles will say vats, um, shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Now, the locust swarming in and eating everything, and, and God was very uh, good about waiting for everything to get to right at the point of harvest. You watched it grow, your mouth is water, and you're like, oh, this is going to be so great, and then the swarm of locusts come in, wipe it all out. Now, he's saying here that I, I will restore to you the years the locusts had eaten. Now, you can't get back time. All right, now, think about what this is saying. It, it, the way it's worded, he's going to give you back time. No, he's not giving you back time, but he's giving you back this is the nation of Israel right here, and the, the, all of these things came and destroyed all of that stuff. Well, it says years, but it's talking about the years that, of, of product that you actually lost. He's going to restore that back to you. <clears throat> How we can apply that to us today here is think about all of the time wasted all of the sins that you've accumulated in your life, all of the things that you just let go, the blessings and promises that are in the Word of God that were for you, and you wasted all that time and not taken advantage of it. And then you might think, what could I do to ever gain it back? And you get distraught in thinking about it because you know you're in way too much debt to get out. You're so far below. God is able, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, if you get into His kingdom right now, the one that's available to you right now, then He can restore all of what you lost just like that. Where you're, you're, you're just headed for death and hell forever, but yet he can just eliminate all of those bad things just like that and give you salvation and eternal life out of just a moment's notice as soon as you believe on him. The former rain and the latter rain. So let's uh, finish up in James. I'm not, a, I'm not scared of James. A lot of people are scared of James. I'm not one bit scared of it. I want to end up with the New Testament passage anyway. Starting with verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. 
Now, what he has talked about before is there's going to be people who are going to be, uh, you know, we've got this mentality because we've been going for so long and we haven't seen the Lord come back. There's going to be scoffers. There's going to be people that are going to be talking about, uh, go over to Peter, 2 Peter especially, and you'll see it. But we're we're to have long patience for what we're waiting for be ye, this is verse 8, be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one another, or, or against one another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, and the Lord is very pitiful, so he's full of pity for you. He's not pitiful. We are the ones that are pitiful. But he has, he's full of pity for us, and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your, ne- your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So we've done a lot of those things today. We haven't done the oil, but we've prayed over some sick people and we've had some... Uh, uh, some merry hearts come up here and sing uh, some songs. And we have prayed. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And here's Elias. Remember what I said earlier. It's the, it's the new way of say in the Greek, of saying Elijah. You only, you're only going to see this in the, in the King James. I think all the other ones, uh, they'll go with the original word, Elijah. Elias, we're, we're in Lafayette right here. But this, the, you know, the ministerial association changed their name to Elias. Stands for Elliston, Lafayette, Aranto, Allegheny, Shawsville. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Well, there's another time coming in the future of three years and six months. It's going to be the time of Jacob's trouble. It'll be uh, horrible. Can you imagine it not raining for three years and six months around here? Can you imagine how bad that would be? Well, the tribulation time, the the seven-year tribulation, the first three and a half years uh, will look good. If you're a born-again believer, the way I read the Bible, you won't be here. You'll be raptured out, and then all these things will start to happen. The last three and a half years will be absolutely horrible. And uh, this is just a glimpse of it right here. So Elijah, he he's prayed that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain. 
And in 18, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall have a soul, will save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now that former, that former rain, I think that moderate former rain is what we use to get people prepared for salvation and the latter rain is preparing us for the harvest. And we need to see that in Scripture. We need to be, as seeing people who need salvation, we need to administer that moderate, that light rain and go out and prep that soil and sow seed in good soil and then see true salvation happen. And then once that happens, we are to grow in the Lord, and we need the latter rain for that. <clears throat> so, so, two different words, so. So, th- th- that verse that we studied today is sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Now, we must go out and love people. We, we need to love the unlovable. We go out and if we want to reap mercy, we got to show mercy. We need to be forgiving. There's too many people out there that have done us wrong and we don't forgive them. We need to get over it. Their souls are way more important than the rights that we have. We need to just get rid of what, what is right and what's our rights, but forgive those. They may not deserve to be forgiven, but neither were any of us. But Jesus forgave us anyway. We must receive the Word of God, seek the Lord daily in prayer, seeking His leading and direction for our lives, The direction of this church, very important that we be people that are seeking the Lord and His guidance. Our families, our very own families, we lose people in our own families to the worldly ways. We need to receive the righteous reign that the Lord wants to reign upon all of our lives. And so so what we need to do as a church... And each, each, each and every one of us individually, we need to go out and find some fallow ground. Go look for it. Find some fallow ground. Start prepping for the rain. Start sowing some seed. Help it grow. Protect it from the cares of this world and all the things that will come up against it. And do the work that God's called us to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this time that we have to come together. Father, I pray that this word will go out and do the things that it was uh, supposed to do. Father, I pray that each and every one of us will have a heart that will be softened by the the rain. Father, the, the righteousness that you are raining down on us. Father, we want to reap your mercy. Father, it's through grace 
that we're saved. And Father, after we are saved, we want to be a people who go out and do the things that need to be done for the cause of your ways. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.